if you went on YouTube or Google and went how to get rid of tight hip flexors and you just get a whole bunch of videos or suggestions that you just have to stretch your hip flexors and you do that and it still doesn't go away, there's a deeper level. I'm also going to explain why one hip may be tighter than the other. When I have a client that comes to me and they complain about hip pain, we do a couple of things. I'm going to walk you through those steps today. But the first thing I make them aware of anytime they tell me they have hip pain is I try to see if they have any inflammation in the digestive tract or the reproductive system. This right here is something that most people won't look for. We can go on Google or YouTube and look for a whole bunch of techniques to get rid of this hip pain. One day it feels a little better and then the next day it gets worse. It's because it's really coming from inflammation. So if we talk about the digestive tract, anytime the digestive tract is under any type of inflammation, the digestive tract and every other organ and gland in your body communicates with something called the nerve channel. And the nerve channels come from your spinal cord and the nerves go through the intestines in this situation for digestion and communicates right through the core muscles as well. So if one of those are either in pain or inflamed, it's going to affect the other. So for an example, let's just say digestive issues here. If there's any digestive problems like candida, a fungal infection, bloating, gas, wind, or food inflammation or allergies that a person is struggling with, that's going to cause inflammation in the digestive tract. And what that digestive tract would do is that inflammation will communicate right to the nerve channel, right back to the spine. Now, we also have muscles that connect to that same neurotic loop, that same nerve channel. So if there was inflammation in the digestive tract, the muscle is going to receive not a signal of inflammation, it will receive a signal of pain. Therefore, the muscle will turn off. Here's one of the reasons why. The brain and body believe that organs and glands are more important than muscles. So anytime there's an organ or gland inflamed, the body will push more blood flow towards that organ and gland, plus nutrition, oxygen, and hydration, so it can fix the inflammation. If we don't have blood flow going to the muscle of the core, or if you have this in your reproductive system, and we don't have any blood flow going through the pelvic floor for those muscles to activate correctly, then what tends to happen here is now we have muscles that will have to compensate. And usually those are the hip flexors. So we're going to get into why you can find one hip being tighter than the other. And anytime I get a client that comes to me with tight hip pain on the right side, what we'll find is this. I can find issues with either the liver, the gallbladder, the small intestines. And with the small intestines, we can see symptoms like small intestinal bacteria overgrowth, leaky gut, candida. Also, the reproductive system, especially with women, they had a cyst on the right side. We can see that that right hip flexor is compensating all the time. Now, the muscles that we'll see that it's really, really getting tight and compensating is just not the hip. We're going to see the TFL, which is a hip it's part of the hip flexors, the quads. So all the way down, we can see the adductors. We can see the QL muscle, which is your lower back muscle that connects from your rib cage to the iliac crest. And what that would do is that will pull you down towards one side. And of course, we'll see the iliac psoas muscle. Anytime I have a client that has pain on the left side, we can see problems with the colon. And one of the most common problems that we'll see is some type of constipation or dysbiosis. So colitis, or any issues when it comes down to not going to the bathroom on the regular, right? Having a really hard time pooping. And then, of course, we can see the reproductive system causing problems on this side as well. Now, the same thing goes on this side when it comes down to the muscles. We can see the left QL muscle, the left psoas muscle be really tight, the left TFL muscle, the left adductors, and the left quad. 
Now, over time, this imbalance will start causing more problems just from the hips. Remember, the body works with something called the kinetic chain. And that kinetic chain is if the hips are tight, now the knee is going to have problems, the ankle can potentially have problems, and even the shoulder. And most of the time, 80% of people's imbalances usually come from the pelvis. So when I have a client that comes to me, what we do first is we go through a couple of tests first. We don't want to assume. Assuming can, you know, cause a lot of problems. I'm really big on testing. So the first couple of things we'll do, I'll, I'll go through a series of seeing if they're hamstrings and glutes, specifically the gluteus medius and the maximus actually activate. Can I get those muscles to activate? That's number one. The second thing is I go straight for the transverse abdominis. I'm not going for the abdominals themselves. I'm going for the transverse abdominis. What happens is the TVA is like a natural belt and it basically tightens up anytime we twist or we bend over to pick things up off the floor. If there's inflammation in the digestive tract or even in the pelvic floor, we can notice the TVA, the deeper the digestive problem or reproductive inflammation, the more we cause problems with the internal obliques from activating, which is some deep core muscles as well. And when we start running into these problems, we can see that if I give a client some exercises to try to activate these muscles and they can't activate them and we see the hip flexors compensate, that's another sign to me. Okay, this is most likely coming from an imbalance from organ inflammation. So there's a couple of things that we'll go through in this process when I work with a client. If a client would have come to me and say, hey, Nate, listen, I have this hip pain. I've been trying everything. Or I have this ankle pain. I've been trying everything. And they tell me what side it's on. I immediately just start asking these questions of inflammation of either liver problems, gallbladder problems, small intestinal problems, et cetera. So if it is a confirmation when a client does come to me and they say, hey, I have left hip pain. And I say, are you constipated? That's like the first question I'll, I'll fire back at them. And they'll say, yeah, how'd you know? The reason why I knew is because it's not that I was a genie or I'm a guru. It's the simple fact that I understand how the layers of energy work within the body. So here's a few things that you can do for either or to bring down the inflammation. So we'll start with the right hip pain first. The first thing I'll have you do for three days is I'll have you go on a low glycemic diet. Because if there is some type of SIBO or candida, if I bring down the context of sugar and you get less bloated and you have less hip pain, that means that we're getting a little close to like, okay, you may have SIBO or candida, and that may be causing the inflammation that's causing that right hip flexor to overcompensate. Now, if that were to be the case, then we have to look into stomach acid and your liver. Um, there's many reasons why people can get small intestinal bacteria overgrowth, but it has been shown that low stomach acid and a lack of bile being produced from the liver and stored in the gallbladder can cause major problems with the small intestines. And if that were to be the issue there, the root cause of the problem is one of those being deficient. And we could do anything we want with diet and all these things, but we're only compensating until we get to the root cause. The second thing that we'll be doing is we got to see if your liver is actually going through phase two of detoxification properly. What I happen to find with clients is that they're not eating enough vegetables to help them with phase two of detoxification of their liver. A couple of vegetables that can do that is going to be broccoli, kale, and cauliflower. Those are really powerful for phase two of detoxification. And if there is bile that is needed, if the liver has any history of fatty liver or non-alcoholic fatty liver, or there's no gallbladder, I would advise you to look in to see if you need a bile supplement to help you break down fat-soluble vitamins. Now, what we'll do from here is, does the pain go away or go down throughout the next couple of days? Another thing we'll do is we'll actually look at 
and track your poop. I know that can sound funny, but your poop is a report card about what's going on in that digestive tract. So your poop is getting more brown and 12 inches and you're having a better bowel movement These and less hip pain. These are good signs that, hey, we're, we're, we're getting our hands on this inflammation and then we'll retest everything with the muscular system. And when it comes down to the left hip, there's a couple things that we'll look for if the left hip is tight from inflammation of the colon. We'll be looking into dysbiosis. Do we have history of antibiotics? Do we have history of eating a lot of junk food throughout our childhood until adulthood? If so, then we can we'll get a nice probiotic supplement and we'll put you on some probiotics to see if that can help with that situation. Now, it's important that anytime we do rebalance the microbiome of including probiotics, that we look into improving and increasing prebiotics. And prebiotics is usually soluble fiber that feeds the microbiome. Prebiotics, when people think about prebiotics, sometimes people can get confused between prebiotics and probiotics. Probiotics is usually the profile of the microbiome or the probiotic, the bacteria that is going to start replenishing the digestive tract to improve the good bugs. But those good bugs need food. And that's why soluble fiber has been shown to be a very good source of food for those bugs. So you have things like berries. Blueberries have been shown to be really powerful for that. Avocados have been shown to be very helpful for that. And believe it or not, bananas as well. So those are a couple. There's a lot more, but I like to include those three because what I happen to see with clients is it's usually easy to add into their diet without them feeling overwhelmed. Most of the time when I have clients that are constipated, they're really dehydrated. They don't drink enough water. A good start to figure out how much water you need throughout the day is take your body weight and divide it by two and aim for that in amount of ounces of water a day and see if that helps. Now, there's something I do want to make you aware of. Always be aware of the medications that you're taking to see if the side effect of that medication is a diuretic, because if it is, then you may need more water. Another thing to look into is if you are drinking a lot of caffeine, that's another thing that can be acting as a diuretic where you may need to add a little more to that number. And then movement. A lot of people do not move their body enough. We assume that walking around the house or walking from the car to our office is enough movement. No, the body needs to pump blood. And remember, constipation usually is it can occur from a lack of peristalsis. And a peristalsis is the blood flow that moves through the intestines. And that blood flow creates like a wave-like movement that can move food and bowel movements through your intestines. So if there is not enough movement or pumping blood throughout the body, we can see some constipation. And the last one that I can give you, you know, based on all the information that we already went through, is fight or flight. Is your body under a tremendous amount of stress? Remember, anytime the body is under a lot of stress, we'll go through the fight or flight system, which is known as the sympathetic nervous system. And the sympathetic nervous system would take the blood flow from the intestines. And instead of it creating peristalsis, it would take that blood flow and push it towards the heart and the muscles to prepare you for fighting or flighting. And that can cause some major issues with constipation. Does the hip pain go away or go down as we start doing these things? And if it does, now we're like, we're talking now, baby. We're like, yeah, hip pain is down. I feel a lot better. That's amazing. Now what we do from there is after we go through step one of fixing the inflammation, then we go to step number two, which is retesting. So the exercises that we did the first time, you'll notice a client now being able to activate their glutes, hamstrings, and transverse abdominis. And one of my favorite exercises to see if a client can activate their hamstrings and glutes properly 
is putting them on their back, putting their feet on a Swiss ball, like one of those big yoga balls, and having them lift their body off the ground, palms up, and seeing if they can hold their hips up off the ground, pull the ball towards them, and extend. Usually, the weaker the glutes are, or the hamstrings are, or the core are, you're going to notice this person really overactivate the Achilles and the calf muscles, and that can cause major problems right there as well. So try this. Let me know if it works. Let me know. Did you learn anything? Did you make any connections? Did you learn anything? Did you make any connections, or does this make any type of sense for you? I've used this for seven years after being a strength and conditioning coach at Delaware State University and being a coach in the real world for the last seven years. This never has failed me yet. I worked with thousands of clients. So I hope this helps you too. 